0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey there, everybody. Welcome in to another exciting episode of the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jason Ratliff is off today following his triumphant running of the New York City Marathon. Um, something that I will never do. Jim, do we how have about his you? Time?
1: do we have his time Jonathan do
0: we know uh, time? I don't I don't want to publicly say but he did okay. incredibly well okay, um, fine. I think I, I don't know but uh, so it's just uh, me Jonathan Mayo and Jim callis uh, here today uh, I, I uh, finished up my two-week stint in Arizona I passed the baton onto you Jim yeah you're there for the for the final uh, week we had. Uh, a nice little crossover uh for the fall stars game we're going to get into that uh we're going to hear from Mariners prospect Harry Ford who is in the fall league I spoke to him uh earlier last week and uh we're going to uh talk some more fall league we'll answer a question from the mailbag as always and I figured we let's start out uh you know award season is upon us at the major league level and while that's not our our bailiwick as it were uh you know, we have a vested interest, and I think mean, we, we spend a lot of time talking about potential rookies of the year. We do our rookie power rankings. Uh, this is not a huge debate, is it, Jim? It's you know, it's pretty clear cut. Uh, who's going to win? Uh, I guess Corbin Carroll is more clear cut than Gunnar Henderson. You know, if you if you only have one rookie of the year, Corbin Carroll would win. But uh, it's been interesting how kind of Corbin Carroll start to finish has been the guy in the National League
1: yeah I mean he kind of dominated I mean it's funny like I do think if the Mets had contended like we thought Kodai Senga actually had a pretty uh, good year but you he never really generated much rookie of the year momentum because Carroll kind of started hot and never never let up and postseason doesn't come into play but you know, obviously helped the Dimebacks get to the World Series, too. And, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, I, I do wonder if Josh Young hadn't been hurt. Like, it seemed like he was right in the mix with Gunnar Henderson. And then Josh Young got hurt and Henderson kind of picked it up a little bit. And the fact that he played the full season and and Josh Young didn't kind of made that a wash. I mean, Tanner Bybee had a really good year. Um,
0: he also got hurt. Yeah. Right. Bobby um, got not. Yeah. I was looking at Bobby for a little while too because I just think a guy to be able to start, you know, start to finish and be that effective always catches my attention. But yeah, I think because he got sidelined for a bit, that hurt any candidacy there as well.
1: And, and he didn't come up. You know, Bobby didn't start the year right. in major leagues. And like I'll give the, I mean, the Orioles are ours. Obviously, doing a lot of things very well right now. And I'll give him credit. I mean, Gunnar Henderson got off to slow start. You know, we've talked about how. They have a million infield and outfield options. And, you know, if they were less patient, they had other guys they could have played when he got out. I think he was hitting like 200 in the first month of the season. And they realized Gunner was talented. I mean, I think we all did. But, like, they didn't panic and they kept him in there. And, and Gunner wound up having a really good year. So, like, it'll be interesting. On next week's podcast, the, uh, the most hated pipeline story of the year will be fodder for discussion when we uh, – I will have done oh, my. I can't wait, I can't wait to rip you rankings. apart. Yeah, my long-term rookie rankings, which nobody will even read the intro, which is based solely on career value and not what they did this year. But anyway, um, that it'll be an interesting debate: Gunnar Henderson versus Corbin Carroll. I, I haven't done any work on it, Jonathan, but sneak preview: those guys will be one and two in some order.
0: Um, in, in what order? Uh, come on, tell us now. Well, I, we don't know. That's what
1: I'm saying that'll be next week's uh, podcast. Yeah, we'll talk about that discussion. next
0: week. Are do both the Orioles? And Diamondbacks get draft picks if both those guys win Rookie of the Year? I believe so, because they were both... They're both on the... Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's... I still haven't memorized... There's so many new rules I haven't memorized them all. But yes, if you win Rookie of the Year and then, say, if Josh Young were to finish, I think, in the top three of the AL MVP voting before he's arbitration eligible, then the Rangers would get a pick in the future. And if I remember... I might be misspeaking, Jonathan. Like if if Gunnar Henderson is AL MVP next year, the Orioles do not get a second pick. Like no, you, that's think true. You, yeah, I think the but one yeah, thing that yeah, p- right. people you're are, exactly right. Good point. They will. They will both get. They will. People both have, get, right,
0: and people have asked because there, I think there was some confusion. Well, because they were up in 2022, does that matter? And I believe the answer is right. no.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I was confused. What's interesting is, um, you, you basically you have to be. And I don't remember which list, but you have to be a top 100 prospect one on two out of three lists. Is it us, Baseball American, ESPN maybe? Um, but as I long as you're rookie so. eligible, that's fine, which is why I think you saw some strategic moves. Like the Angels promoted Nolan Chenwell this year to where he would not exceed 45 days. So like he went right up to the limit. The Dodgers sent Michael Bush back down. And he finished a couple days short. So that's the rule. But the other thing that's interesting is, and I hadn't realized this, and Matt Eddie at Baseball America was on this at the beginning of the season, is you don't have to be on the opening day roster. You just have to be up early enough to get a full year of service time,
0: which oh. is usually,
1: yeah, it's usually because... See, I, I, I misremembered
0: that. I thought it was opening day roster.
1: No, it's not. And it's like, so I don't remember. I, I'm spitballing here a little bit. Like, a full year of service fine. time is, is like 175 or 180 days. It, it's, it's something like that. And so, you know, it's like if you, you think back to when Chris Bryant, the Cubs waited like 11 days into the season to call him up so he wouldn't get a full year of service time. Yeah. It's that. But there were – Matt Eddy, I remember him tweeting in April, He when, when we got to that date, there were a, like three or four guys who had been called up who weren't on open-day rosters who also would have qualified. So, yeah, that's, okay. as long as you get a full year, you're up early enough to get a full year's. Right. No, the incentive
0: is to call guys up sooner rather than later, and not play that game. It's really interesting to me when that when we sort of learned about that new rule. I think there was kind of like, well, I mean, how often is that really going to happen? And then, bam! Right out of the gate, Julio Rodriguez gives the Mariners an extra pick, and and you know, it's one of those things where I think people recognize pretty quickly, like, oh, okay, if you know, if you have the right personnel to do it, uh. It's valuable, and and listen, it's a win win. Both those teams are playoff teams, yeah. And um, as were the Mariners. Um, you know, it is interesting. Is the good teams carrying a rookie all year uh, to help them make the playoffs, and then they get the extra pick? Uh, so, yeah. uh, kind of a win it's, all around for those organizations.
1: But it's still kind of
0: tricky too, because if you're a a
1: non-contending organization. Um, I'm trying to look at a team. Okay, like, let's – let's. well, Dylan Cruz is not good. I'm try, trying to look at our, our current list, a good example. Like, I don't think he'd make the opening roster. Well, the Nationals aren't going to contend next year, probably. But they have Dylan Cruz and James Wood, who aren't really ready, but they no, aren't that ready, far. Yeah. We'll, we'll just use them as an example. Sure. Um,
0: it's a hypothetical with Cruz, anyway. Yeah, right.
1: with, with Cruz and Wood. So if I'm the Nationals and I'm not going to contend, do I put one of them up on the opening roster or early enough to where – if they win the award, which is hard, you know, or to be top three MVP. I mean, still, you know, that's not like, it's like an easy thing to project or would I rather have Dylan Cruz and James Wood for a seventh year before they go to free agency? Um, it's what's interesting, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see teams not playing games with good prospects yep. and and they have incentives. So I, it's, I, it's, I actually like right. it. it's
0: the incentive has worked and it's helped the teams, right? It's not one of these, like, Oh, one of these rules, like does it really have an impact? Uh, but it does, and it's helped them win games. One other example, we're not going to answer this now because we will answer this in the mailbag, is Colson Montgomery. Now that Tim Anderson, yeah. uh, you know, so, uh, but that's our mail, that's you good. know, that's tease of the, the mailbag. So we're not going to talk about Colson now because we don't but have.
1: How about this one, Jonathan? How about, how about this right. scenario? My favorite prospect, Evan Carter. Like the Rangers, Evan Carter helps the Rangers win a World Series. And he might get them an extra draft pick if he's rookie of the year next year. I wonder how many guys have won a World Series and played a major part in it, and then still been rookie eligible the next season. It can't be too many.
0: No, I mean they didn't win, but Randy Rosarina, right? So he, he. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, there's uh, one. Yeah, there's there's one. There, no, they're not too many. I'm, Brian Doyle. It's funny back you, in the day. you brought up Evan Carter. Now it makes me wish I we picked the mailbag question that asked if I get tired of hearing you talk about Evan Carter. The answer is no, not yet. Um, we even (laughs) talked about him on the fall stars broadcast. So let's use that as a, uh, as the, a week segue.
1: Uh, Jonathan, before you do that, I was going to say you threw me off because I had the, the broadcast on my computer while I was watching the game to see if you guys had velocities or whatever. I didn't have the sound on. And then I saw like Evan Carter graphics and I'm like, what is going on?
0: Like, uh, I, I was thrown off by Evan Carter. Well, we, we had, um, you know, we were we were we were talking about him because you know he was supposed to uh, be in the fall league this year. Oh, I didn't realize he, that. Was that when yeah. you were talking to
1: Carlos Cardoza?
0: Yeah, when, when we were yeah when we were talking to Carlos on the air, who's terrific, by the way. Um, and as I said on the broadcast, I think he's going to be a big league manager. Um, he's the youngest manager in the fall league, and he had. He, and the, we brought it up because he actually had Evan all of 2022. And then in 2023, he moved up with him to, to double A and yeah, he had, he had told me that when I, uh, when I talked to him for uh, a story on reliever Emiliano Tioto, uh, that Evan Carter was slated to go to the fall league, which makes perfect sense, you know, given where he was in his development, time missed and all that, he's the perfect candidate for the fall league. I think I asked him on the broadcast. I was like, so were you pounding the table to have him sent back down so he could join you in the fall league? The answer was no. I would have been pounding the table. I think they should have sent him. He could always use more at-bats. Got to sure. work on hitting
1: lefties. He could have worked on no, – I, I didn't
0: mean after the World Series. I meant they should have sent him down like instead of having him, you know. No, they should
1: send him down after the World Series. He can go to the parade and then show up in Arizona for the last couple of weeks.
0: Uh, for It would have been a week, really. I mean – That's fine. But, that. uh, yeah. I'll take a
1: week of Devin Carter. I'm down. Yeah,
0: sh- sure, sure. All right. Uh, Speaking of the fall stars game, that was a lot of fun. Uh, You know, you never know what you're going to get from those games. It's always great to have all that talent on the field at one time, but you know, Jim, you you and I have covered enough of these and futures games that uh, sometimes the on paper part of it is better than what happens in the game. But like we had a good combination of, you know, Balls flying out of the yard, real, you know, surprisingly good pitching performances, speed, good defense. We actually we had a little bit of everything in terms of like people showing off all their tools. I thought. Yeah,
1: you know, I, I was going to say the same thing. It's you know, you'll sympathize. So I was I, I did the top performer story, like you know guys, you know X guys who stand out um, in, in Fall Stars game, and I'll admit, and I'm sure you'll agree, like when you're doing the story. You're kind of like, eh, I'd rather have six to eight guys and 10 to 12 guys standing out. And more guys kept standing out. We had some good pitchers coming in at the end who were dealing. We had JT Schwartz making the defensive play of the day, made like a really nice diving play. And I was like, ah, I want to bring about 12 guys. So, like, the, the number of players in the top performer story is, is kind of a gauge of performances. But like you said, it was a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I think the guy who – I mean, he won the MVP award and you guys had him on the broadcast and he hit a home run. He went two for two. He might have been the only guy in the game who I think had two hits, was Colson Montgomery of the White Sox, who is also the um, highest-ranked prospect in the league, number 17 on the top 100. And it's uh, it was funny. Our, our, our colleague, Jesus Cano, was giving me a hard time because Ronan Kopp came in, and I said, man, this guy has some of the best stuff in the league. And then Colson Montgomery had a 409-foot home run off of him, and then he gave up another home run later in the inning. But I, I thought it was – you know, I don't. I mean, I guess we could have gone back and done the research. It did not occur to me until I'm saying this. Like, I don't think it's often that you have the consensus best prospect in the league is the best performer in the Fall Stars game. I, do, I don't think the Fall Stars game MVP list, somebody was reading through it. It's, it's not it, littered with future Not star-studded. Stars. Yeah. yeah, but Colson Montgomery, I think, is the exception. And, and I mean, you've, I think we both talked to him um, here maybe in the past. And you guys had, how, how was he on the broadcast?
0: Oh, he's great. He's great. I mean, he was, he was on our podcast last week and he, he's just, he, he's clearly having fun. And, you know, even when talking to him, you could see when he hit that home or just the smile on his face, you know, uh, just uh, the combination of kind of confidence, but not, it's not, he's not arrogant. And uh, yeah, and he's very at ease. You know, so we, you know, he was great on the broadcast. We had a few guys on the broadcast. That was great. Um, I think for me, like, yeah, I, he was the, the the right choice for MVP. After that, you know, to me, the guy who stood out maybe the most was Eric Brown Jr. I'll second that. I, I'll
1: um, second.
0: Just because he did a little bit of everything. Uh, the defense was, we had him on the broadcast also. He's terrific to talk to. I don't know if you haven't talked to him, Jim chat him up if you get the chance but uh made two really really good defensive plays and one other one that like probably was more difficult than it looked he makes everything look easy defensively um and you wrote him up and then uh the funny thing is jim is before the the broadcast i was uh on the field during bp and you know how people on mlb network love Love them some some comps, and Sorry. and you and I don't. That's been well <laughs> documented. So I just started asking as many players as possible, like, well, who have you heard yourself compared to? Like, which ones do you like, or who do you like watching? You know. And so uh, I was talking with Eric Brown, and he was saying how he really likes watching Francisco Lindor, um, but it's like mostly defensively, um, and he like likes watching Mookie Betts as a hitter. And I was, and I was like, okay, that's great. It's like, and it's like, well. You know, we talked about, like, the power for him hasn't come yet. Uh, and he, who knows how much of a power guy. He very much knows who he is. And uh, I was like, but, you know, Lindor, you know, at, you know, in the minors, he knew there was power there. I don't, he didn't know how much power he was going to hit as a big leaguer. And we were sort of joking about that. And then what does he do? Eric Brown, he homers. So it was, like, yeah. probably the most surprising homer of the Fall Stars game.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it was. I mean, the other two guys who who hit home runs were uh, Will Robertson, who you know has been around for a little while, but had the best season of his minor league career. I remember writing about him at Creighton, like the 2019 draft. I think it, it's been a while, and it was interesting. like my, my proudest fact I uncovered in my top performers research, Jonathan, is Will Robertson threw out Jacob Marcia, the Padres, trying to stretch a double into a triple in the second inning. Will Robertson had zero outfield assists this year in 93 games. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, Kyle Manzardo, who, you know, we've, we've talked about a bunch. He's one of the better prospects in, this, in, in, the, in the Arizona Fall League. Came over from the Rays to the Guardians in the Aaron Savali trade. And, you know, he, he deservedly has a hit over power reputation, but he's kind of not been that guy. He's been power over hit in the fall league, five home runs in the regular season, I think is second or third, third in the league, I think right now. And then he had the best, the, the biggest home run of the night. He got a, a fastball right over the middle of the plate from Kendall Williams, the Dodgers, and he hit it 433 feet with 111 mile an hour exit velocity. And if you had not seen Kyle Manzardo and didn't know anything about him before he got to the fall league, you'd think he was more of a guy who was okay. going to hit like 250 with 30 homers.
0: Yeah, and, you know, he he told us – he was another one who joined the broadcast that he, you know, it's he's doing the same thing. He he, he hasn't changed anything. He's not trying to hit for power or launching. You know, he's always been a find-the-barrel guy. And I think, you know, there's always room for the caveat. Fall League is the Fall League, right? Small sample size and all. And I think, you know, he may also just be getting stronger. You know, he's got – he has a little more in the tank. He missed a bunch of time. Uh, and, you know, I I think – I don't know that he's ever going to be a, you know, thirty-five homer guy, but I'm I'm beginning to think that there'll there'll be enough power for him to profile just fine as a first baseman.
1: Yeah, no, I I'd agree with that. Who who you like pitching the most? Who who is your top pitcher you saw
0: or most impressive pitcher you saw? So, it's funny because the the guy I was most excited to see was Tioto, and he uh, kind of showed both how exciting he is and what he has to work on because he just completely lost feel for the strike zone. uh,
1: (laughs) He he hit two guys with 101 mile an hour fastballs.
0: Yeah. um, You know, one of the things that was good about your story and kind of when I wrote my story about uh, Tioto while I was out there is like, we don't often have time to like really focus on relievers. And this was a really good showcase for a lot of guys with some good arms. I'm very intrigued by Juan Mejia of the Rockies. Um, you know, I, I think he may have been my my sleeper Rocky. Uh, I'm not sure though. all of our fall league stories have blurred together.
1: <laughs> um, but
0: there were a bunch of guys in the game who, you know, unranked, but like looked like big league stuff. Um, you know, when he – struck out rosario uh, kalai rosario uh and and manzardo uh with a pretty nasty slider uh low 80s he can throw hard a lot of these guys it's all question of throwing enough strikes and the guys who stood out you know are are the ones you also mentioned jordan leisure the white Sox. um uh, there was they one other guy, well. Troy Taylor of the well. Mariners, who didn't make your list. is another guy who he's been throwing well in the fall, and his command has gotten better. Uh, all these guys are like you – know, Troy Taylor is a 2022 draftee who hasn't pitched above A ball. But, like, that stuff is going to play. if They can throw enough strikes. So uh, those are some of the guys. Any other the other arms that I didn't mention stand out to
1: you? Hey, it's funny. Like, Takoa Robey, I saw pitch really well the first week of the season on the same day that, that Jordan Montgomery shut out the Rays – uh, for seven or eight innings in, in the early rounds of playoffs. And Roby had been traded for Jordan Montgomery. And then I guess Roby got knocked around because I think his ERA has been close to six um, after I left. And, you know, he started the game for the national league through one, two, three first inning needed just nine pitches, eight strikes. And he struck out two top 100 guys chased a on a, I think it was a curveball, and Manzardo on a 97 mile hour fastball. So he was good. And then, you know, I don't think there's any question who the, the fastest player and, and the most devastating base runner in the league is. That was you know, fun. And that's Victor, Victor Scott. And Victor Scott, who, you know, tied for the minor league lead with 94 steals. And you had him and Chandler Simpson on, uh, who, who tied for the minor league lead with steals toward the end, of, I think, in September when I was on vacation on the podcast. He's third yeah. in the AFL. He's got 16 steals in 22 games. And he did not stop in the Fall Stars game. He got on base three times. He had a double in a pair of walks. And he stole base each time. He stole three bases off three different pitchers, stole third base twice. Um, I, I was like, let's just let this guy try to steal home, too, and see if he can pull off. But, uh, you know, Victor Scott did what Victor Scott does best. So, it's, yeah, like was- you said, Jonathan, there was a little bit of everything. You got some defense. You got some speed. You had guys And yep. what is a hitter's league pitching well. We had four home runs. Um, I thought it was – a. And, I don't think there were any errors, right? There were some wild pitches and nope. batters, but it no was errors. a pretty crisply played you know, Yeah, a lot of good defense. Too.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, Victor Scott, I think there was one point, and I don't remember when, but there was a lefty on the mound, and he was on third, and I'm like, hmm. Like, now's a good opportunity. And the third baseman was playing, you know, well off. I'm like, that would have been fun. But, uh, that, you know, that that's that maybe asking for a little too much. Watching him run rampant was 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 enough. That uh, was a lot of fun. All right. Why don't we uh, take a break? Um, When we come back, uh, we're going to listen to my conversation with Mariners prospect Harry Ford, who is playing for Peoria in the Arizona Fall League. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jonathan Mayo here, winding down my time, Fall League, and uh, I'm here in Glendale uh, before a Peoria-Glendale game, and happy to get a chance to talk to a rising star in the Mariners system, Harry Ford. Harry, thank you f- so much for taking some time. Yes, sir. Nice to be here. We, I guess, met uh, before the Futures game, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things, I thought I was start with of this, that we ended up talking about because you you were done hitting and you just came out and you were like just bearing down on watching guys hit Mm -hmm. and I was just have you always been like that much of a of a student of the game or is that something that's come with time as you've advanced
2: um just as a person I'm just a big observer like uh I'm kind of just a student at everything I do um so I just I love observing seeing seeing what's guys do different, seeing what I could pick up, learn. It's all the way I've always been with everything.
0: This is like a great league for that, right? Because you're not playing every single yes. day. So you, have you been able to, you don't have to get into specifics, but like, have you been able to like really be able to watch guys in this setting and sort of see how they go about things?
2: Yes, it's been very enjoyable. I've, I've loved this, this, uh, this type of baseball because half of it is me playing and uh, fresh every time I play, so it's cool. And the other half is me just sitting in the dugout watching all these dudes with so much talent just come out here every day, and uh, especially like just seeing seeing cat, the, the catchers, like especially the catchers we have, Paul and uh, and uh, Paul McIntosh and uh, Dominic Keegan, like watching them go about their business, watching them catch, watching them hit. It's like man, like you know, these dudes just got it, you know. So it's cool seeing how they do stuff.
0: Now, do yes. you? I mean, obviously, you can't pay attention to everything all the time, but, like, I would imagine you're also watching pitchers as a hitter. That helps you, but also, like, as a catcher to see how guys set up hitters and things like that. I mean, you sort of store all of that in your memory bank?
2: Like, our pitchers? Any pitchers. Any pitchers? I mean, like, I don't really pay attention to that. pitch. <sighs> Pitching doesn't really fascinate me honestly like like it I mean I watch it it's cool but I'm normally looking at the hitter or the fielders or the the catcher and uh I've been learning a lot about just you know game calling and a lot about and a lot about setting dudes up from our pitching pitching coach Joel and um so I've been learning that from you know kind of seeing situations and everything not really specific pitchers
0: I guess it's a little different. Here you have guys from all different organizations, which is which is great, but, like, if when you're with one staff for a whole year, uh-huh. it's a little different in terms of, like, honing in and focusing on the pitching?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a little different. And also when it's one staff, like, you know, like, with, if it's with the Mariners, we have our philosophy. We have the same thing everyone's going to talk about. Everyone's going to, you know, kind of spit the same thing out. Um, but here it's kind of different because everyone has, you know, everyone's from a different org. Everyone has a different – they've been taught different things. Everyone, you know, they, they got different sayings and stuff. So it's cool picking up on that stuff.
0: There are a lot of guys here who have, you know, played at upper levels, or even guys who have been in the big leagues, you know, are there things, even from, especially maybe from a catching standpoint, because it, it's often said that that's the, you know, that, that can take the longest to, to really develop, especially coming out of high school, that you see you're like, okay, like, all right, I, I see what I'm going to need to do to, you know, make that jump to double to, to A and, and beyond next year?
2: Yeah, I mean I think, like, the, my physical traits and everything will take care of itself. I know that you know, with continued reps and continued, you know, games and stuff like, my skills will be there because I'm athletic enough but uh, the part that I'm really realizing is that, you know, I gotta start learning how to, you know, game plan against these guys, how to how to use what a pitcher's got, pitches the strengths and weaknesses and judging him against a hitter and, and you know, kind of like the chess part of, of the game. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of learning that that's the stuff where it's kind of, you know, gonna kind of separate the
0: good from the great. Do you look back at you as a high school catcher and you now and just like the vast sort of space you've already traveled in terms of learning some of that stuff? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, the the in terms of like the actual
2: game like yeah it's completely night and day even just from last year to this year uh, it's funny though because like a lot of times like before you look ba- you look back to high school and you're like man like I used to be able to catch so good or throw so good there or hit so good there and stuff and now it's, now it's hard like why why would why I used to be better <laughs>
0: baseball's hard man <laughs>
2: baseball's hard. hard and like you know everyone else gets good too so it's kind of it's got a, it's unfair, it's an unfair comparison, but, um, <laughs> right, yeah. Right, of course.
0: So, you you did miss some time here. I'm sure Mariners fans, just, I know you got back in, in action just recently. Everything, everything okay with you? Like, health-wise, everything is, is good?
2: Yeah, everything's
0: fine. Uh, just, you know, just end of the season where,
2: uh, taking probably the most swings this year that I've ever taken in my life, uh, had a week off since January. Well, I've been off for two weeks lately, but I've been playing every day still. But um, you know, it's just yeah, you know, it's just you know,
0: long year, nothing else to it. I want to dig into that a little bit uh, without going too deep into you know the Sir Harry Ford and the Great Britain stuff. Um, but just in terms of the experiences you've been able to have, like I remember talking to people and they said like baseball has been such a wonderful passport for them. Like, have you had some time to think about like all these incredible baseball related experiences that you've been able to have just in this last calendar year
2: yes i mean it's it's been an absolute blessing and an honor to you know go to the places that I have and and where baseball has taken me all over the country and in different countries as well and it's amazing because I know it's just getting started and it's going to be a lot more in the future and um uh, like I never would have thought I'd go to Czech Republic, especially out of all places. Germany, I thought I would have thought, but like uh, it's just it's just different because you know we're always playing baseball, so you never really like, think about okay I'm just gonna go to this place just to go to this place or something, you know. But when baseball is involved in going to somewhere like that, it's it's it makes it even better.
0: Yeah, one of the things that you know just watching you from afar doing it is just how you sort of embraced all of it, but now, as you're saying, you're getting to the end of a long year. I mean, spring training, World Baseball Classic, a regular season while you're still learning how to catch, uh, European championships. Like, it's just like uh, I would imagine when you're tired, but, like, are you ready to kind of close up shop for a little bit and, and, you know, before you get started on preparing for 2024?
2: Well, you know, you have days where you, where you think about it. And it's like, man, like I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I'm ready to just chill out. I'm ready to take a break and everything. But I always feel that when I ha- when I have a moment like that, I have a moment right after where I remember why I do this, and I remember where I want to go to, and I remember, remember, you know, what I was made to do with this. And so, you know, I'm gonna keep going till the good Lord lets me.
0: I wanted to sort of talk about, you know. Being a high school catcher, um, you know, a lot of people think that that's like the riskiest demographic. Maybe even more than high school right-handers, just because of all the responsibilities. How much do you love having that uh, as a as a challenge to sort of maybe be the uh, the exception to what people think is a rule?
2: Um, I mean, shoot, I think being a professional catcher is a challenge at a high school or or out of college. Either way, you have to. It's completely different in pro ball. Doing it every day, it's uh, it's new. It's it's a lot of lo- lot of stuff to learn. Uh, best catcher I've ever, one of the best catchers I ever met, came out of high school. and He was my manager last year, and so I think just the position in itself is a great challenge. Just being a player, making it, making it to the major leagues is is already a great challenge. And so I think uh any any way you do it whichever whichever route it is God all gives us different routes. Uh, I think we're all in this big challenge together. So
0: Who was your manager last year? Ryan Scott. Got to give name drop there. That's yeah, the yeah, fact. Ryan Scott. <laughs> you know, additionally, you know, because your you talk about your athleticism and it's such a plus behind the plate. I mean, you heard it coming out of high school like there were people wanted to move you out from behind the plate. Just you know, well, let's let that athleticism play in center field yeah. or whatever things like that. I, is that something that like also fueled you that you're like, and 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 the fact that the Mariners were committed to to letting you develop back there and weren't looking to move you out there?
2: Like, I mean, that was all nonsense, honestly. <laughs> like, like I mean, I, I, I get, I, like, I get why people say it because you know I run a six four and like I'm fast, I'm athletic, and you know you don't want to waste the speed or whatever. So Is those just people saying what, what logically makes sense to them. But, like, catching, cat, being, being a catcher has always been my thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never switch positions. I would not love baseball the same way if I wasn't a catcher. And um, so,
0: you know, nice try, but, you know, it's just <laughs> not, not going to happen. Has it, has it always been that way? Like, when did you fall in love with catching?
2: Oh, the first time I ever caught. I, remember, I was, like, I must have been, like, like, eight or something, eight or nine, probably nine uh and i was at a tryout and um you know uh, like the catcher they had who was trying out he had to leave early and they were like you know who wants to catch someone try it out so i tried it and i put the gear on and like i remember instantly i was like oh this is really cool you know and i just love being in action every single pitch and since then like it's just always been my thing ever ever since I've, i've loved it
0: even after a long year and you're tired and all that sort of thing you have to really love it to want to do it at this level
2: yeah i mean yeah it definitely you definitely get tested a lot at this level you know because there are days when it's like you know body really really hurts and you're going for like the second day in a row or and you know there's not many people in the stands or you're far from home you're hungry like whatever it is it gets tough but you know like i said like you know Whenever, whenever, we, whenever I have those moments where everything sucks, where, where I feel like, uh, you know, it's like, like I got to quit or something, I get, I get five extra reasons for why I should
0: keep going. Do you – I mean, you haven't made it to the big leagues yet, but do you see yourself as a role model at all? I covered the uh, Dream Series out here last January. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, talking to the catchers that were there, um, they point to you as like I want to do what he's doing. Really? Um, you know, cool. people are paying attention um even though you haven't gotten to Seattle yet. Like is that is that it sounds like you weren't even aware that there are high schoolers who are kind of looking up to you already.
2: Yeah, no, I didn't know that. That's that's really cool. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they that they I don't know. That I do something worthy of having having them want to, you know, play like me or be like me whatever whatever it is, you know. That's a that's awesome. It's inspiring.
0: Let me ask finish with this, because this is, you know, a stepping stone. You know, hopefully this gets you ready for the upper levels. I know there are people who think that you could help out in Seattle as early as next year. Is that something that entered your mind or you try not to get too ahead of yourself?
2: You know, right now my feet are in Arizona and the Arizona Fall League. My 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 mind and my heart take me Take me well past my when my career is done, and like and what's gonna look like at the end. But you know, God God wakes me up tomorrow, and He and He puts my feet wherever I go. And so, you know, I've got no control of that. Only He does. I kind of just roll with roll with the plan. But I I put I put in the work every day to make sure that if I do get the chance, I'll be ready. And um, yeah trying to make it happen.
0: All right, Harry, thank you so much for taking the time. Yes, sir. No problem.
2: Thank you. We'll
0: be right back with much more of the MLB Pipeline podcast. My thanks again to Harry Ford of the Mariners for sitting down with Uh, me last week. Uh, Very thoughtful Uh, interview, Uh, Jim. It was just uh, a good chance to, to, I had spoken to him briefly at the Futures game where he was just sitting there intently watching the next group take BP. Uh, And that's sort of what we started off with in in the interview, just talking about how he he likes to learn by watching. Uh, And it was kind of a sponge. So it it was a great conversation. Over the weekend, uh, before the Fall Stars game, was the second home run derby. And Jim, I have to tell you, like I am one who has kind of grown weary of home run derbies. We've all been to so many of them, and but I really enjoyed this one. I'm not sure why. Uh, I, I just uh, maybe it I was... know why.
1: I, I, you enjoyed it because when we picked <laughs> who was going to win. Before, there were five of us, you, me, the, the aforementioned Jesus Cano, uh, Fall Stars game red carpet star Jesse Boric and, and Kelsey <laughs> And we, we all picked, we had a draft to pick the winner, and you had the fifth pick, yes. and you correctly identified the winner. So I think that's why it you did. enjoyed it
0: so much. Yeah, Kalai Rosario is the one who, who won it. Uh, but uh, yeah, beyond that, yes, it's, it's always fun to have like kind of a rooting interest, and I definitely got into it because of that. But I think it was also there was a four way tie uh, for for second. Um, he, uh, Ivan Melendez, Kyle Manzardo, and Jace Bowen all had fourteen homers through the first two rounds, so they had to then do a swing off. Uh, and Rosario was able to kind of walk it off to move on to the finals against Damian. And even that, like you were
1: saying, Jonathan, that was exciting because you had the four guys. And I can't remember what order they hit in, but Bowen had five, and Rosario, if I remember correct, Rosario was the last guy to go in the, in the swing off, and I think he hit a couple quick ones, and then he hit a lull, and then I want to say, I almost think he hit four in a row toward the end, and even though they didn't officially count, I think he hit a seventh home run, he and
0: did. then...
1: It took like you, you, a couple seconds before they realized, like, dude, you shouldn't swing anymore. Like, I think well, Jace Bowen came out and told him, told them Jace to stop. Bowen
0: who he beat in the swing off. It was the one, like, stop, <laughs> you know? like, don't because,
1: so like, it's funny. Like, you and I, I don't, I've talked to more of the high school guys during the high school home run derby, at the all star game. It's tiring for these guys. You don't want to take any extra swings, and so, like, when uh, Rosario hit his six, I think he took at least two more swings. And I remember in the, we were all sitting in the press box going, "Stop! Why don't they stop this? Stop it! Throw in the towel!" But um, yeah, so uh, it, it was it was as much drama as you can have, and it was good. And you know, I, you know, I, I will give the fall league credit. I, I think the I missed last year's home run derby because my flight, as often happens, was delayed. So I flew in the day before. But last year, my flight was delayed four hours, and I landed while the home run derby was going on. So I didn't get to see it. Um, and I, I, think, I don't think you were out here at that point either. No. But I thought the Fall League put on that nice show. They had a nice crowd. You know, this wasn't a preliminary to the Fall Stars game. This was its own separate event. Yep. They had a nice crowd. They brought uh, Justin Wick, who should be in the uh, Fall League uh, Communication Director Hall of Fame.
0: I going to say Fashion year. Hall of Fame. He, he was That too. He was looking that too. dapper.
1: But anyway, Justin just has great personality. And he was awesome as the MC. I don't even know who's doing the PA. The PA guy. Was, I mean, it, they put on a good show. It wasn't just okay. We're gonna go out here, and guys are gonna swing. They had live music.
0: They had a yeah. lot of band playing. So I mean, yeah, it, it, I, it
1: was what the chocolate fountain, chocolate experience. water
0: fountain experience. Yes. So, um, but it was it was Chuck. a good time. So
1: it was a good time. You know, like I I give them a lot of Chuck Fox and his whole team at the Fall League. I thought they put on a really nice show because, like, like, I'm with you, Jonathan. I've seen enough home run derbies. You know, we go to the high school home run derby every year at the All Star game. You have the the regular home, like I'm a little home run derby out, but like this actually exceeded my expectations.
0: Well, you know, I, I was thinking back to years gone by when we used to go. Uh, this is you know, well before you joined our merry little band of misfits, uh, but we would go to uh, out and do a lot of video stuff, and we covered tons of minor league all-star games and i've been to some of those home run derbies where someone wins with like three homers right that's yeah. always the fear and so i was like I, you don't know what you're going to get and these guys are advanced and things like that but so yeah it was fun you know palmigiani had hit 17 over the first two rounds and then i thought wisely uh he chose to let rosario uh go second to put the the pressure on him in the final and hit five more and the funny thing is that rosario was in a in a groove and i'm like oh he's gonna win easily like but he and then he broke his bat and i thought That's right i'm like we're done like we're, we're in trouble and uh uh oh actually you know what? i'm sorry he made rosario go first to put pressure on him as opposed to second right 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 yes. so um uh, So Rosario had hit six and then broke his bat. And I think he would have hit the way he was. He was just on a roll. And I'm like, I think he had found something, and he was going to hit a few more to probably put it away. And when he broke his bat, he didn't hit another one. And then had had he – I I was worried. I didn't think he was going to win. But uh, Palmigiani hit five and then kind of got in a little bit of a rut, and and that was that. So it it was close. Uh, A lot of homers were hit. Good show. Um to the point where if you had told me last week that we would want to talk about the Home Run Derby on the podcast, I think I would have been like, Really? Do we really want to talk about the podcast? But it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, we'll, we'll, well, let's use this quick, quick moment. We've we both said this, I think, for many, many, many years. We need a Home Run Derby at the Futures game.
0: Yes. We need
1: to make that happen.
0: I mean, you know, Chuck Fox talks to other people in the in, you know, in the commissioner's office, can't we make this happen? You know, we we've turned batting practice of the futures game into an unofficial thing by, you know, picking players yeah. and keeping track and you know, or getting help keeping track as the case may be, but uh it just makes too much sense. And do you want to you you have a sort of corollary to that? No, that's
1: right. It goes back to when we saw Joey Gallo I'll give Gallag- you the credit. Joey Gallup putting on a monster BP at target field in Probably 15? 2014 or 15, whatever that was. It was 15, yeah. I'm not I sure. I think whoever wins the Futures game Home Run Derby should then be allowed to compete. I, the high school Home Run Derby, the guys like compete against those two guys competing each, against each other with aluminum bats during commercials. But I want whoever wins the Futures game Home Run Derby to then be the ninth contestant or however many contestants there are in the official Home Run Derby at the All-Star Game. Because I think it would be great if you took you know, I think right, Owen Casey midseason, we decided was the best power prospect in baseball on our top 100 list. If Owen Casey wins the future stars, home run derby, let's put Owen Casey who has incredible power in the home run derby and see if he can beat a big league. I think that would be a cool story. And those guys could, could put on a good show. So that's, we, we need to make that it. happen.
0: So um, hopefully, I'm, sp- uh, I'm spitballing. Let's workshop will, this. Yeah. You know, the thing is, the big leaguers would never would never do this. But I was like, I almost love. You know, big leaguer gets tired and he can tap out and let the young kid come in and finish up a round. Ooh, that would be kind um, of cool too. Um, like, I, I think there's a you know, there's too much money at stake and things like that. I don't know that it would ever happen, but you know. It, it, especially if you made it like a league competition, you'd have to change the format, but that, yeah, yeah I, lo- I love the, I've said for years that the futures game MVP should at the very least be able to stick around for like the workout on Monday and take their, or, you know, through Tuesday, whatever it is, let them take batting practice with the big leaguers. Um, but I like, I like this futures game home run derby winner gets to participate in some way in the in the in the big league derby. I I think it's a great way to sort of showcase the uh the pipeline, as it were. Yeah. All right. We teased at the beginning that our mailbag question was about Colson Montgomery. And this comes from at Thur Hall, T H U R E H A L L. How quickly do you think Colson Montgomery will take to make the majors? And Jim, I you know this question I think has taken on a little more importance because the White Sox declined the option on Tim Anderson. So there is a wide gaping hole at shortstop. Uh, Mike's sort of quick take and you do the White Sox and, you know, sort of let you weigh in on it at more length, but is that, I don't think he's that far from ready. I think he could use a little more time. I mean, he's, you know, he hadn't spent that much time in double a, uh, stranger things have happened. Look at Evan Carter, but maybe a stopgap, someone to play shortstop for a little while, and then Colson Montgomery may force his way up by midseason at the latest. But I don't know. Do you do you let him compete for 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 the job in spring training? I do not.
1: Um, I, I think it's midseason at the earliest, just because he you know he was hurt this year. Yeah, he only played sixty four games. I mean Colson Montgomery. Without looking, Jonathan, how many plate appearances do you think he has as a professional? So we're
0: talking twenty-two and twenty-three, uh, 20, four hundred twenty-seven.
1: Yeah. He has nine hundred. He has
0: nine hundred plate appearances. <laughs> I went yeah. way low. I was like, wait, that's not right. But
1: um, yeah, it's, it's, it's parts of three seasons. He was drafted in twenty-one, and then you know, but like he only had he had less, a little less than three hundred this year. He has a couple hundred plate appearances in Double A. He's a career two eighteen hitter at that level. 244 this year. And I just don't think he's seen enough pitching. And like, it, it, it's one of these things like, and I firmly believe in this, if the white Sox were going to contend, then I'd say he's really talented. See what he can do in, in spring training and, and to make that decision. But the white Sox aren't going to contend next year. They're, they're going to have a, you know, they're probably going to finish last in the AL central, or I guess Royals are in AL central. So maybe it's not a lock. but they're, they're not a realistic contender by any means and i don't think there's any point in rushing him i would i would send him to triple a well i would see the thing the is draft you pick. rush him and then he's on the opening day roster he's up early enough and he could get the first round pick the guy's a career 218 hitter in double a and like i'm not convinced he's going to come out and be the, the best rookie in baseball next year if he was up on opening day um, and so i i just i would i would put him in triple a and around midseason, we can see what he looks like and determine whether to call him up then. So, but I, I think we probably think there's a good chance we see him at some point next year. But I, I think in this case, I think he's mentally strong. But I think you'd really be rushing a kid who has 200 plate appearances at the Double A level um, and hasn't torn that level up. Uh, anyway, he's not even tearing up the fall He's hitting 244 out here. With 25 right. strike, like play, we've both talked about like one of his best attributes is control the strike zone. He's got, he's striking out at like a 30%. Well, he point was, here. he
0: told, he told me early on that he, he was working on trying on some things like I'm being more aggressive early in the count and things like that. So he, he was fiddling yeah. a little bit and just to yeah. give some contrast, because I think some people will be like, well, look, Evan Carter made the surprising jump, but Evan Carter, to your point, 1134 plate appearances. He had. 513 plate appearances total in 2023 in the minors at the upper levels. Yeah. Uh, And overall better numbers at the upper levels. He had an 863 ops. So uh, I do think that teams are more and more willing to like push guys and see what they can do. Um, I think, I think that's, that's right. And there'd be, listen, there'd be no shame if he spends all year in the minors and then you're talking opening day 2024, uh, he's still plenty young, so I don't think it would be that big of a deal.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you. the question may be, you know, and Charlotte's a really good hitter's park. You know, what if he goes to Charlotte and he hits really well for four months? You know, then it's like, oh, do we want to burn his rookie eligibility in 2024? Or do we want to wait till maybe the last week of August and call him up and then we'll preserve his rookie status and they can get us an extra pick in 2025, but I I think we'll see him at some point next year. But I think where the White Sox are competitively, it wouldn't make sense to burn a year of free age, you know, a year towards free agent eligibility, or really a year towards arbitration eligibility, either. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll see. But I, I will, I think if we see him, it, it's probably going to be July, August, September next year.
0: Yeah, I mean selfishly, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the Futures game and then maybe he can just get called up from there. Yes,
1: yes. But that would, I'd be happy to see him in the Futures
0: game. All right. all right, That's going to wrap things up for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. My thanks again to Harry Ford for the Mariners for joining us and to you, Jim, as always. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.